This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin vetoed the city council's plan to spend $86 million on COVID-19 relief, but because the city council voted unanimously to approve their plan, it can move forward anyway. Durkin said she thought it was irresponsible to spend the entirety of Seattle's rainy day fund and emergency funds in the first months of a multi-year crisis. Chris Sullivan joins us now. Chris, you've been following this. What's the main dispute here? Well, the main dispute is whether or not you want to drain what's left of all of your emergency funds right now just to bridge the gap into into next year. And this is tied directly to the new business payroll tax in the city of Seattle, uh, the Jumpstart Seattle plan put together by uh, Councilwoman uh, Teresa Mosqueda, uh, because the $86 million that they say that they were going to take from the emergency fund, they are going to pay back, they say, with that new payroll tax, the proceeds from that starting next year. So they're like, okay, we're going to spend this money, but we're going to get it back. So we're okay taking the amount that we want. The mayor uh, doesn't think that uh, that's smart, as you mentioned, to take all of it on the front end, even if you think you can pay it back, uh, because uh, she's also concerned, rightly so, that there might be lawsuits tied to this jumpstart payroll plan. And what happens if they spend that $86 million and next year they don't collect the tax because it's tied up in court. You're left with a zero balance almost. And so the mayor is very concerned about all of the ramifications of this. But as you mentioned, this is a veto-proof decision by the council uh, as they consider this. Maybe they'll get a second uh, heart when they look at this again. But they can move forward with this whether the mayor says not to or not. Why would there be a lawsuit? Because from everything I've heard, this tax was extensively vetted and appears to be legal in a way that some of the previous income tax proposals were not. Because any member of a business that might be impacted by this, and again, we're talking about people that make, I mean, you have $7 million a year in payroll. I mean, we're not talking about every business. I think it's about 800 But all it would take would be one person, one business, one entity to file a suit and get this at least clogged down a little bit through, through the court system, which would even, you know, at the minimum delay getting those payments back. Oh, you know, I'm not sure about the grounds of what they might be able to sue on. I know the mm-hmm. city council really spent a lot of time looking at this, and it's much different than the initial plan that uh, Councilwoman Sawan had put together. But, uh, you know, just in case, uh, I think the mayor is hedging against this maybe being bogged down in some way and then them being left w- with no money in the, in their coffers. Now, does this actually have voter support, support from business associations like the Downtown Seattle Association, for example, or is this mainly something that the members of the city council think that businesses want? Uh, it's the latter, because uh, as soon as they made this decision, the Downtown Seattle Business Association was like, this is the dumbest thing ever to tax people in the middle of a recession. Now, that's not saying there are some businesses, some biggies, uh, Expedia, Amazon, that are going, OK, maybe this makes sense. You know, they're they're not as opposed to it on the front end and might even be leaning towards the support category. But overall, uh, from an association's perspective, the Downtown Seattle Association is still completely against this. And so I I think it's a move where the council thinks that this is the best way to move forward, even though many in the business community do not. Hmm. So when would the money from this start to flow? As soon as next year. I mean, they they expect to start this uh, Jan 1. 
coming forward with that payroll payroll Well, that tax. seems late, though, because the emergency is right now in terms of making rent, for example. That is true, but they would get that $86 million now to provide mm-hmm. the low-income housing, the, the, the economic relief. It would be the paying back of that that would begin starting to fill up those coffers starting next year. But yes, they would take the money now to bridge us uh, until that tax money started coming in. Car Radio's Chris Sullivan. Thank you, Chris. Yep. There are startling new numbers in the coronavirus pandemic. The U.S. could see 300,000 deaths by December. The current death toll is 160,000. That prediction comes from the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington. Here's Director Dr. Christopher Murray. Uh, We are seeing, as as I'm sure you're well aware, uh, rises in cases, hospitalizations, and now deaths in in some places. All of that means that as we head into two seasons, one school opening in some places, which will increase, we expect, transmission to some extent, and then the seasonal effects coming later in the fall, uh, we expect this much larger number of deaths. And Dr. Ali Mokdad says that number is 230,000 more than his models had previously forecast. Even in the best-case scenario, stay-at-home orders could eventually be required again. They're predicting that our state may have to reimpose a stay-at-home order as early as October. Governor Jay Inslee was asked about that. I certainly hope not, and I certainly hope that our masking initiative will continue to succeed. These questions will be answered by what we all do as Washingtonians in the next several weeks. Dr. Ali Mokdad told Cairo yesterday that roughly 50% of people are masking up here in Washington State right now, even with the mandate in place. Not enough. Dr. Ali Mokdad told Cairo yesterday that right now, only about 50% of people are masking up here in Washington State, even with the mandate in place. The IHME model says it would take a 95% mask rate to delay a lockdown by six to eight weeks. Governor Jay Inslee is easing up on restrictions slightly, and there's some good news for people with loved ones in long-term care facilities. Visits have been off-limits since the start of the pandemic. But starting next week, there will be a four-phase plan to bring them back. It's going to allow uh, compassionate care visits, window visits, remote visits, And I would say maybe best of all, outdoor visits that are limited to two a day. This four-phase plan for long-term care facilities is separate from, but dependent on, the four-phase plan for each county's reopening. You can go to MyNorthwest.com to see details about each of the phases. Here's the governor again. I think that's going to mean uh, real joy for people. And I think it's going to be really good for the uh, for the mental health of residents. It's going to mean uh, people have what they enjoy most in life which is to see the people that they love. And we also got a sobering reminder that these coronavirus cases are not limited to older people. They've been rising among young people in Washington for weeks. Many young people won't show symptoms or seem to recover more quickly. But a young teen in Puyallup recently passed away due to complications from a coronavirus infection. The story from Cairo Radio's Hannah Scott. Just this week, a local teen who was otherwise perfectly healthy lost his life to COVID-19. 19-year-old Puyallup High School grad Eli Sevener was removed from life support Wednesday after suffering from complications from the coronavirus. His brother tweeted the news yesterday, which was devastating for the Puyallup community. He says Eli tested positive for the virus early last month, stayed home in quarantine as required, got better and went back to work as usual, did his routine for about a week or so. 
before being found unconscious and rushed to the hospital this past Sunday. His brother tweeted on Monday that he was on life support and asked for prayers. After his passing Wednesday, he said the family was absolutely in shock. State health officials reported over 800 new COVID-19 cases in Washington state. That brings the total number of cases in the state to nearly 61,000 with 1,653 deaths. A third COVID-19 testing site is opening today in Seattle at Rainier Beach High School. They will offer free walk-up tests only, no drive-through tests. The new site was chosen based on data showing that Black and Latinx communities are the most impacted by COVID-19. That's according to the South Seattle Emerald. This joins two other free testing locations in Aurora and Soto. You won't need proof of insurance or immigration status to use it. Results are processed by the University of Washington, and turnaround is in about 24 to 48 hours. No reservation required at any of the sites, but you're encouraged to make yours online. And we'll put the link with more information about all of this in the episode description. We will be back tomorrow and every day after with a 10-minute rundown of the daily local news. You can subscribe to this podcast. You can also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.